0: I'll just be like Minding my own business And then suddenly When I was a young warthog When he was a young warthog No?
1: That's fucking random
0: It's in the middle of Hakuna Matai Well I know it but The really sad part where Pumbaa's like "Ah, I used to have friends And then I farted all the time And now I don't have friends
1: It's a really harsh Friendship circle
0: Except for Timon He's like I don't mind your farts That or maybe he can't smell Ooh maybe that's the tragic Untold story of Timon He can't smell
1: well, but that would be actually a good story, because then he wouldn't be friends with Pumbaa.
0: Right. So, so it all works out It yeah. all works out. Friendship. out of friends.
1: All right, and because three is a crowd, I'm here today. Once again, as always, this time, in the bunker, dun, dun, dun. with Kelly. How's it going, Kelly?
0: It's good. My cheeks are red to say now.
1: it's good is it because of the sun is it because of bunker weather
0: i think it's because i had one beer uh i didn't sleep enough and i'm too warm
1: great so this is signed on the <laughs> window where we where we talk about a random bob dylan podcast uh song we talk about a random bob dylan song and we live with it for an entire week and then we get back together to talk about it uh so i've been listening to bob dylan for most of my life kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the maximum number of fourth powers needed to sum up any natural number today we are looking at little maggie from 1992's good as i been to you
0: (laughs) what did you just say to me
1: All right. And before we start talking about the Maggie's in our life, we're first going to do a little bit of context. Uh, So this uh, was recorded for 1992's Good As i Been To You, which is Bob Dylan's first acoustic only record in 27 years up to that point. So the last one was 1964's Another Side of Bob Dylan. We've listened to a lot of songs from this era. So we did Ring Them Bells only two episodes ago, and that was 1989. We did uh, God Knows, which I think was episode 13, if I'm right. So a couple before that. That was from 1990. But I feel like even with Under the Red Sky, I think that people's patience had kind of waned at that point. So Bob Dylan coming out with this album, it wasn't the most stellarly received thing that he's done. I think people saw it as like a cash grab, kind of going back to his roots, sort of to drum up that nostalgia. I think it's kind of weird to look at as fans um, in the modern times, because I only know Bob Dylan as a relevant artist. You know, Bob Dylan at this point was not relevant. I came to him well after Love and Theft, well after Time Out of Mind. So he was already back full force. I mean, that's probably part of the reason why I even heard about him is that he was still permeating pop culture. But it's weird to think back in 1992 to be somebody who would hear this. And obviously his voice is kind of it's croaking. It's it, we're used to that now. I mean, we've had many, many records now with that kind of a voice, but this was pretty new. I mean, even compared to Ring the Bells, he kind of had a, you know, a little bit of a voice there. And so even with this, it's kind of it's froggy, it's croaky. People were not really that into it.
0: Is this uh, just covers, or is this is there anything? whole thing is covers? Okay. Yeah. So
1: this is all like pre-war traditional folk song, acoustic. World Gone Wrong, which came out next year, is a lot of uh, post-war blues lot more bluesy than this one this is i mean this song in particular i mean if you want to start talking about it contextually this song is about 200 something years old
0: over yonder stands little maggie with a dram brass in her hand she's drinking away her trouble and according to some other men oh how can existed in america for over 200 years and it's really an amazing kind of testament to the power of music i think that it can survive before recording technology at all just through people playing it and other people hearing it i'm like hey that's really catchy i want to play that song too and they kind of have their versions of it there's a song um darling cory that came out around the same time because looking at the origins of the song is really tough because no one can say who did it it's like oh well there was that one guy back in uh tennessee who was playing it but he learned it from that other guy and i guess uh the darling Corey" song was around the same time too so people kind of blurs which which came first or or who sang what and it doesn't really matter in the end i think yeah they kind of like
1: refer is. to him as cousins really they do speak to each other and we'll get to that too when we start talking about the lyrics but yeah you're right i mean it's like it originated in the 19th century uh belongs to that tradition of white blues ballads um you know there's like I'm, I'm treading over stuff that's already been said out there in the world. So if you want to know more, uh, our full show notes at SOTWpod.com, you can see where I get all this stuff at. But um, there was like a, a fiddler, uh, Tommy Gerald in North Carolina. And yeah, he said, uh, yeah, I remember it being played around 1915 or 16, and it became quite popular with the younger folk. <laughs> it's like it's hilarious that this song would just be like cutting edge. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about all the lyrical changes and stuff. But yeah, it also, it was called like Little, Little Maggie with a Dram Glass in Her Hand. And both of them. I mean, darling, Corey has that dram glass, um mm-hmm. just a very different woman in both of those. And I think like Bob Dylan in particular kind of weaves the two together, whereas I think Maggie sort of stands apart from from darling, Corey. So we'll get into that um in a little bit. But before we get there, I think that it's uh imperative that we sort of consult with our Maggie's. So I set you on a path this week, Kelly, to tell me about every Maggie that, you know not real maggies keep them out of the picture but fictional's fine uh celebrities are good whatever maggie's come to mind i mean if you do know a maggie and you want to put her on blast go ahead and do it but <laughs> i don't think that's an appropriate place but who am i to judge so kelly what's up with maggie's in general
0: i don't know any maggie's i don't think i've ever met a maggie hmm.
1: i knew some margaret's but yeah. they never went by maggie
0: right exactly Which i, feel like... I think
1: maggie's kind of an old style name
0: Yeah, so just, we need to establish this. Where does Maggie come from, right? Well, I didn't get into it. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, But it is
1: short for... It's a good question out there. Everybody think of it. (laughs) Think of it, look it up on your own. We move on.
0: In retrospect, it seems like I really should have. But (laughs) that is short for Margaret or Magdalene, Marjorie or Margarita. "Mm." Ah,
1: See, if I knew all of that, this playlist would have been a lot different.
0: (laughs) Magdalene so we should just we're we're gonna do we have a couple flyover maggie's that we're just gonna run through we have some fictional maggie's so let's get with the fictional maggie's first okay, and foremost it. all right so we've got maggie green from the walking dead obviously well How can't to do it without her maggie simpson come on now oh, oh, nice, maggie nice. simpson maggie walsh from buffy the vampire slayer
1: i don't know who that is in buffy maggie walsh
0: yeah she was the teacher in season four that built adam the professor I'll okay. come back to you, short blonde hair. No, no, no. No, I do know. 314. Uh, Maggie the Frog from Game, Game of Thrones. Hey, not someone's bad. been listening to things. And uh, the last one, fictional Maggie. Maggie Grace from Lost. Lost. <laughs>
1: that wasn't contrived at all.
0: <laughs> she sure.
1: Lost. Yes, she did.
0: Oh, wait. See, that was bad. Maggie Grace is the actress. She's not fictional. Damn it. <laughs> This is already falling apart. I take it back. Maggie Race is a real person that played the fictional character Shannon, Shannon whatever, brother of... Nope, sister of the guy who is not <laughs> named sister Shannon. Sister of... Uh, Brody? Not... Bodie Boyd? Behringer? And Bodie Behringer.
1: <laughs> no, what is it? It's a... Uh, it is a B. Yeah, right? It's not Billy, though. <laughs> no. Wait, wait, it was Shannon and... keep going okay i'll look at those this is worth stopping yeah <laughs> it's it's definitely a beat
0: boom howard boon it's boom
1: oh, nice. nice but i didn't have to look it up. see you know, sort of
0: so fictional maggies <laughs> mess that up but maggie tulliver is a character in a play i think story story man i did real good this time uh called the mill on the floss, the mill being a mill, the floss being the floss river, these are both fictional mills and, and, <laughs> and rivers by a guy named George Eliot, I guess all right, so it takes place in England in this fake town, and it's like all about this girl, Maggie Tulliver, and her brother Tom Tulliver. It sounds real boring, but uh she meets a guy and he's like a hunchback, and she shouldn't like him, but she does like him. And then she likes this other guy who happens to be like engaged to her cousin or something, so that's not kosher. Their dad dies at some point. Oh man, I'm already bored telling this story. This is how her brother's like her ward a little bit, but then he's like, you can't date that guy over there that you like because he's a hunchback, and you can't date that other one because he's part of that family we don't like and also is engaged to your friend or whatever, so you can't do that. And they have a falling out, and she gets kicked out, and then she goes live with the lady that is dating the guy that she wants to be with and that's all weird because that's messed up you shouldn't be scamming on your friend's boyfriend and she pushes hunchback aside because of course she does because that's how people are they just be petty like that so she has little clandestine meetings with one guy that she actually likes it's all fancy and handsome and stuff they go away together on a boat he secretly marries her in the middle of the night because she's too tired of like saying no to marrying him which i'm like at least it didn't get darker than that and then they go back everybody finds out no shit their spot gets blown up everybody's really mad her brother stops talking to her because she's been dealing with that dude her friend stops talking to her because you were sleeping with my boyfriend she ends up back at the mill uh there's a bad storm her and dumbass tom go out on a boat to try to save friend that we scammed on uh and they die because the boat turns over because they're idiots so there you go that's uh, the mill on the floss. It's not
1: a morality tale. It's just
0: <laughs> they fucked up. Yeah. And my note.
1: It was actually an instructional manual about how how to run boats correctly.
0: Yeah. I mean... In
1: the end, the whole thing is just <laughs> like you've got to make sure the sails are put properly at this angle. Otherwise, this could happen to you. That's yeah. the end of it.
0: Should have been. Man, I'm mad that I can't So it's not a morality
1: back. play. It's not telling you they went down because she was scamming on boyfriend and or they just went down because they went down.
0: Look, I just know that they went to go. They were trying to, like, they were trying to make amends. By the end of uh, it, I guess the hunchback had forgiven her for blowing him off. Of course he did. And the friend was like, "It's whatever. I did not really like that guy anyway." What? So that's why they're like, "Oh, the, this, is really off. bad. We got to go save them."
1: Why? She they already got off.
0: I mean, and they don't even live in the same town. They're probably fine. So they get in a boat and die. And I'm like, All right, you know what? They that's fine. that's what Tom and Maggie that's get. Fine. All right. So real Maggie's real quick, other than Maggie Grace, which we already know. Uh. <laughs> Maggie Thompson is a woman who used to run a thing called the Comic Book Spire Guide, which was, like, the go-to place for, like, the newest comics that you would, you know, or, I guess, collectible comics. She has, like, a huge comics collection. She's won a bunch of comic book awards and stuff. But she's not actually an artist, I don't think. She just knows a lot about comics. Yeah. Maggie Roswell is actually a voice actress on The Simpsons. So, crossover. Maggie Hassan, or Hassan, I'm sorry I'm saying that wrong, she is currently a U.S. senator from New Hampshire. Hmm. She was the governor of New Hampshire from 2013 to 2017, and she was instrumental in helping pass the uh, uh, gay marriage bill in uh, New Hampshire before it became federally legal. So she actually wrote three different bills so that it could go through. Uh, Maggie Wheeler, who played Janice in Friends, you know, "Ah, Chandler, right? Maggie Smith, obviously. What's creme up? Creme de la creme up here. <laughs> what's up with what's what's her name? Magano. Magano, right? Worst Maggie award goes Whoa. to.
1: Wait, what's the best Maggie? Maggie Smith. She's Is she next. up at the top. You saved the best for last. I'll oh, save my the best for last and the worst for last.
0: Yes, worst Maggie. Maggie Gallagher. She's just like the conservative columnist who's anti-woman, anti-choice, anti-gay. Just. General Fuckstick from none other than Lake Oswego, Oregon. Yay. So worst Maggie award goes to Maggie Gallagher.
1: Fuck you, Maggie Gallagher. <laughs> Fuck you.
0: Best Maggie goes to Maggie L. Walker, who was the first woman to ever own a bank in the U.S. But she was not only the first woman, but the first black person, too, I believe, to ever own uh, a bank. But at least the first first woman of any race, but um, one of the first uh, black folks to ever run a bank to be the head of a bank she uh was born in 1864 um she was a leader and an inspiration of women to black folks and people with disabilities because she uh ended up wheelchair bound later in her life because of an illness i believe um at 14 she joined the fraternal Bu- Bur- 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 wow fraternal burial society which <laughs> called the independent order of saint luke they uh why don't
1: we t- join an in independent a burial society i
0: know right i guess what they did was they tended to it's like a hospice kind of thing from what yeah. i get they tended to the sick and elderly as well as like humanitarian efforts they like just a charity of some kind that tended to people which is cool that's awesome so she joined them when she was 14 right and then rose to the top rank which is called the right worthy grand secretary and held that position until she died uh she started a newspaper for them called the saint luke's herald and then she set up a bank through them it was called saint luke's something or other that bank eventually moved with the Consolidated Bank and Trust Company, which she served as the chairman of the board for, for the, until she died as well, I believe. And that was like a fixture in Richmond for generations. It was like the Black-owned bank, which was really cool that there was a Black-owned business and has been there for a long time. But 2011, that bank was still around. And her mom was a former slave and cook at Elizabeth Van Lew's mansion. And L- Elizabeth Van Leeu was a Union spy during the uh, Civil, Civil War, right? Yeah, that's the one. Fun.
1: Right? That was a lot. But that was the Civil War, yes, you're you're right. <laughs> she was born in 1864, right before the end of the Civil War, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's you know two years after or something. I don't know. Right there. Right before. You know, you know the things. A year before. 65 yeah. it ended. Yes. So there you go. Maggie L. Walker.
1: The best Maggie. The
0: best Maggie. Way to go for ladies, way to go for African American history in this country.
1: <laughs> way to go, Richmond! Way to go, Richmond! <laughs> <laughs> to go, Richmond. Woo! You're Famous letter to Dave Glover in the nineteen sixty three Newport Folk Festival program, which I read an excerpt of on episode twelve, if you want to check that out, talking John Birch Paranoid Blues, Dylan had written, quote, I can't sing little Maggie with a clear head. Well, let's hope that we can talk about Little Maggie with one. Kelly, how was your week with Little Maggie?
0: It's already too late. Did you hear how long I went about the Maggies? Dear God. I uh, I love this song. It's really love cool. It. It's so fast. I I love like just just and a guitar which i am a fan of it's got the the country feeling i think that's just because of how old it is like that translates into it for sure that kind of down on your luck shitty eighteenth 19th century america um it it's about a badass woman which i love too she's just maggie's not taking no shit sorry you caught feelings i'm doing my do and i really really appreciate that i like this a lot,
1: yeah i think that that sort of translates across all of them so we We looked at a couple in our playlist, which, again, you can find at our website, or you can search, uh, see that my playlist is kept clean on Spotify. Uh, We also do an after show, which we'll talk about later. But we looked at essentially, well, five, I guess, five versions. Uh, One is the original earliest recording from 1928, and that's the uh, Grayson and Witter compilation of lyrics, then we have Bob Dylan's lyrics, obviously. Robert Plant, Ralph Stanley had the same lyrics, so the same song, just vastly different. Uh, and then the Kingston Trio, which uh, Ralph and um, and them were probably the biggest um, purveyors of this song from the 40s and 50s. So we've got a nice cross section, 40s, 50s, 92, uh, 2014, I think was a Robert Plant one. So we are definitely scanning the entirety of about a, almost 100 years. It's kind of crazy when we talk about Maggie being a badass. I think we're thinking more of the uh, Darling Corey version. Because Bob, we talked about them as being cousins, but Bob has definitely sort of internalized that more. Because we start with Bob Dylan saying that Maggie is over yonder and she's got a rifle rifle on her shoulder and a six-shooter in her hand. No one else. None of the other ones that we talked about even mention a gun Mm -hmm. of any kind. We're basically talking about a woman who, you're right, is doing her shit. And the man in all of them is not real excited about any of that shit. But we talked a lot before off off podcast, we talked about Darling Corey and like bootlegging and all of that. This idea of Maggie or Corey or whoever this person is being this badass. That version of the story really doesn't make it over here because we're only dealing with a man's perspective or we're dealing with I'm seeing someone with someone else. I'm going to leave. And then. Some of them don't actually, nothing actually happens. Because we're just like, I'm leaving, but then I'm just going to like, little Maggie, she's, she's, gonna, she's made for me. Now, does that mean that they went back to them to try to get Maggie? Or does it mean that they left? Does it mean that they're just always going to carry a torch for Maggie? I don't know. Bob's version, admittedly, is a little bit different. Because Bob essentially is starting out with Maggie being a badass. And then at the very end, closes with what everyone opens on. Which is that... She's standing there with a dram glass in her hand. She's drinking down her troubles over courting some other man. So it's almost like in the end, regardless of what Bob Dylan did, we actually get closure with Maggie, which is that I don't give a fuck. I'm just drinking my fucking wine or whatever out of my dram glass, and you can fuck off. So I feel like the finality with Bob Dylan's version, even if it's a little bit more sort of like punchy than the rest of them, you know, he changes something like, um, you know paying Maggie's fine into paying for Maggie's wine. I mean, we're basically, we're painting Maggie in a picture of an alcoholic, a drunkard, sort of just like, letting loose to everybody. I mean, it's it's certainly a Maggie that Bob Dylan, if you will, in the song has fallen for, but can see the flaws in it, or is being, you know, excessively uh, nitpicky about these things, or is not even acknowledging them in himself. You know, he's seeing oh, she's a wino but I'm also a wino but I'm going to judge her for it and not myself and so I feel like that's kind of what's going on in all of these stories like I don't really know because yeah the Robert Plant Ralph Stanley and the original ones that we have the lyrics for are basically the same and that they don't really end Bob Dylan's version of Maggie for me is like I'm drinking fuck off and then the Kingston Trio one kind of they they use that um the Dram Glass one is basically their chorus so they end with it but they kind of weaved it throughout but they also change it, too. Nobody else has it where their final refrain is, and fooling another man. So essentially, they're painting Maggie as a harlot, if you will, you know, fooling another man as they were fooled. You know, they are a fool. They're going to fool someone else. Which brings us to theme time radio hour. The next one we're doing fools. Fools. Uh, that's for later. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, those are, those are the major differences that I saw just thematically between all of them that sort of painted what our playlist was like. A couple other things I noticed was like, um, in the original version, they talk about hollers. And hollers are like um, sort of the valleys in the the Appalachian Mountains. Mm. So in Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, you've got the hollers. And going in there is usually perilous. They're usually very fami- familial. And, um, you know, people have lived there for ever and ever and ever. You talk about the Hatfields and McCoys. I mean, that's two <laughs> hollers, you know, fighting one another so nobody else talks about that nobody even includes that into their lyrics except for dylan but he doesn't say holler he says a lonely hollow so he does invert it which is kind of nice because i think it would be kind of weird to talk about a holler i mean a holler is something very specific to that area and i think that it makes sense on the 28 version you know that's very steeped immediately in that sort of history but we've definitely moved on from there so I feel like he's the only one that even attempts it that I can see. So he's uh you know, he's in a lonely hollow instead of a dark ho- holler. So I found that pretty interesting. And then one you for me was um in general the pretty girls are made for boys to love. Not really into that. Uh for what it's worth Robert Robert plan and Ralph Stanley they do change that into pretty women. So at mm. least it's women versus girls. Although it's kind of gross anyway. But then there's a line that says little Maggie's going to dance for daddy and that was that's just a little bit much for me so yeah. we kind of incorporated all those weird things into the playlist which we'll talk about later too but
0: well, see when i listen to this song none of that matters because i listen to this song as a perspective from a sad lesbian who's really into a girl who just keeps sleeping with all these dudes but it's okay i'm just gonna keep holding my torch a little maggie this is you're just the, kind of the best you just want to hang out with you and you know I just want you to be my girlfriend, but you just keep sleeping with all these guys. That's cool. though. But Maggie. you'll
1: still buy her the wine and you'll. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we both. I mean, everybody's there. I mean, everybody has that moment that we can point to immediately.
0: They see. So that line is specifically like little girls were made for boys love, but not little Maggie. She's made for mine. Nice. <laughs> I know.
1: That's not, that's not bad. <laughs> Way to go. Songwriters out there in the world being inclusive without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of songwriting, opening it up to everybody. Little did they know.
0: <laughs> Forced inclusion. That's but that's my, actually uh, really that's, that's really
1: interesting, though. I think that gives it another dimension, too, where it becomes an I story, where some of them, I feel like, are almost they stories. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's you're telling me a story about Maggie, but I'm not actually a part of it. And that's pretty interesting, actually, because all of these, for me, were very far away. Oh, I yeah. never felt like I was part of Maggie's life. Maggie was always, you know, that little, that darling Corey. She was... The, the, she's the girl from Bob Dylan's song with the rifle and the six shooter right. That's who she is and it was really hard for me to realize that we're not doing darling Corey like that was tough because that song's badass mm. and in fact I'm I'm gonna say I, I like that one a lot more than this one because I like that Maggie, if you will. I think for someone today personally for this song to have resonance, you gave it resonance. I don't know where my resonance come from because for me, Maggie, really doesn't have much agency in this world. She's not really not really doing much. We can infer that she might be, but there's nothing really on the page which says more about the songwriter and the person. And if that's a critique on them, I don't think it's a conscious critique, so it's my critique, which is fine. But yeah, I don't know. It's I wasn't really excited about this song when we got it, but I really came, came around to it. Um, I was a little bit nervous about it, but... I like like you lot. said, you, this was always, you were ready for folk, Dylan. I mean, oh, yeah. before folk and even <laughs> after. You love triplicate. I, I've come around to triplicate for sure, but this was always the period where I just, I wasn't quite sure about <laughs> personally. So
0: I think it also sounds great. I think his voice compliments the, the song itself really well. Uh, looking at the lyrics again made me just like internalize, like, this is definitely a lesbian singing this song. That's fine. Bob, you can sing. It's all like you Bob want. Dylan's
1: a prostitute. And oh, you know, yeah, yeah, moment, totally.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, Bob Dylan, the, the croaky voiced lesbian i mean that's really just it so uh,
1: the old trope <laughs> uh
0: but i even if you don't listen to the lyrics the song is just so he could be saying fucking anything and it sounds so good together the guitar is perfect speed where you like you want to catch up with it and uh what he's saying sounds good regardless of what the words are and i think that's nice it just it's a very good sounding song to me this is very appealing
1: i don't quite i don't think i know what it a dream glasses
0: i don't know either i would i was just envisioning like a tumbler but i don't know that that's necessary It sounds. it's, it's got to be something specific right because they consistently use it over and over every version of the song has that And it was thing. known
1: originally like i said as little maggie with the dream glass in her hand that's what it was right. started so, out as well we're gonna figure out what a dream glass is everybody we'll link it in our show <laughs> notes don't you worry if you're wondering too. We gotcha. It
0: seems like there were some gaps in research here, mostly on my my side, a little bit on the Maggie side, but also a <laughs>
1: dram glass. It seems like an easy one. That seems like the the continuity between all of it. But so. it's
0: it's an old word. That's the thing, right? It is. Like, yeah, catch an eighteen year old saying the word dram right now. I don't. It's not gonna happen.
1: Well, and that's where the, a little bit of this gets mixed up too, is because like with with Darling Corey, it takes place in a time of trains. And people are thinking it's like a prohibition type of bootlegging, so it's a 1930s type song. I mean, at least the version we know, it might have existed before. But that makes it a little weird because then there's Little Maggie, which I think almost makes it even better because I've found a couple. You know, there's um, Hustling Gamblers, Darling County Country Blues, I'm sorry, Country Blues, and this that seem to all speak to one another at, at one time. Like, Maggie, Little Maggie certainly exists but like which one's first I think is almost impossible because I'm sure the version of little Maggie say that is the first one of these four that we kind of herald together all, all of them and we and we have a version of hustling darling and this on our playlist and you can see the similarities I think it's really fascinating how the songs change and how we try to pinpoint you know where these things come from based on language chord structures uh, the way things sound and like even with Bob Dylan you can do it based on Words that he uses, like the word like unlearn, like that implies that he went through his Christian period. So when you hear him write that somewhere and you can't date it, you can clearly place it in a certain time frame as to when he would have written it. Because as a Christian, you know, born again, he would have written the word unlearn. Interesting. Yeah. And so it's those kind of weird keys. I mean, that's just one example, but you can start to piece together. That's just with Dylan, but I'm sure we all do it. I mean, the way that we talk about the world changes. And so if you can sort of piece that together, you can see. And so I'm sure that there's sleuths out there that have pieced all of this together. But overall, my favorite version, shocker, is Bob Dylan's Far far and Wide. I think that it's the most dynamic. It has all the elements of all the rest. I mean, all of the verses there all coincide with all the rest of them. But it's that delivery. It's that guitar. I think Robert Plant's version is really cool. But it's way out there. It's So weird. I love it. It's so out there. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, what am I even doing? Because I just thought it was going to be him with like, a little acoustic guitar singing his song. That thing is like spacey, and, oh, yeah. Like, which is kind of cool. I mean, to push this song from the 19th century into the 21st oh, yeah. is awesome. I'm a 21st century digital boy. All right, so we spent the week with a wonderful song that I was not that enthused about, but I've come around to. So Little Maggie was something that we imbued our life with. We're going to talk about our Spotify playlist on our after show called Mixed Up Confusion, which if you want to, you can check out on Thursday. Today is Monday. If you didn't know, Thursday. We're going to be putting (laughs) that out. So please uh, follow along, and if you had listened to last week's, please go listen to that just to see the kind of structure we're going for and give us some... uh, Tips or anything like that. So before we get to the end of the show, Kelly, this week we didn't just listen to Little Maggie in a Little Box. What else was going on for you?
0: Little Maggie in a Little Box is a different song. That's a different song. I didn't really listen. Our playlist is what I listen to basically throughout the week. And I've just been stupid busy at work. So... I did have time to do one thing, and that was watch all of GLOW because it oh, just nice. came out. It's really good Netflix series GLOW. Check it out. Is it like 10 episodes?
1: Or... 10, yeah. 10,
0: and they're 10. half an hour-ish. Sometimes they're 35, but yeah.
1: I was going to watch one, and I wasn't able to.
0: So good. 80s ladies wrestling. That's all I need to know.
1: 80s ladies wrestling. Great. I have uh, two re- record recommendations. Uh, one new record, Roswell Kid, Precious Art. One that I missed from last year. Uh, is uh, His name is Mikey Erg, and it's called Tentative Decisions, so we'll link those out as well. However, right now is the time in which I tell you that we're a real podcast. Hey. Hey! If you like us, please like us. Well, if you like us on Facebook, we probably <laughs> won't even know. But if you like us a lot, follow us on Twitter. Go to our website, sotwpod.com. Drop us a line, sotwpod@gmail.com. at Anything. Uh, Suggestions, things you want to see on the podcast, things that you like, things that you don't like, whatever—it doesn't really matter. We're real. We're real people. We we love, we bleed, we hurt. You know all that kind of stuff. Anyways, bless you. Excuse me. (laughs) So please, uh, so please, indulge us if you have the chance. Otherwise, this is the part of the show that we go ahead and choose next week's episode,
0: which is my favorite part.
1: I'm so excited. And I'm never ready.
0: I uh, heard Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt.
1: For the, uh, the first time? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no,
0: no. On the radio, like yesterday, because ninety-four-seven always does, like, this year, whatever. In the morning, he always picks a year, and then he plays the only songs from that. What year was that? 2003. Wow. Yeah, I think, or 2004. Yeah, it was, it was three. three. I think he died in 2003. Yeah, it was, it was right the year he died, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but it, I just hadn't heard it in forever. I was like, this is a good song. <laughs> 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 I like Nine Inch Nails' version. I like this one, too. They're both real good.
1: That is the ringing endorsement.
0: Yeah. I was, it's a real hot take, too. People <laughs> famously hate that song. <laughs> Johnny Cash's is was unexpected, which is why it was such a big deal, why everybody lost their shit. But
1: It's also a really beautiful rendition. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know if Trent even did it in an acoustics. I mean, I'm sure he wrote the song like that i would guess
0: it's all it's just him and a piano
1: oh the the original oh it didn't have like the no none of the normal
0: like industrial stuff oh that's
1: really nice i mean i guess we'll have to, we'll have to listen to that yeah uh,
0: but his song is really minor like okay during it, it goes into minor chords and it bends a lot of yeah, chords not that, that is... um and uh johnny cash's does not at all it's not it's a all. positive melody the whole time which
1: is what part we part. want to feel sometimes yeah, yeah.
0: But still so sad. Still so oh, powerful
1: song. Well, have you ever watched the music video?
0: It's all black and white, right? It's just him in the. No. And then footage of him. Footage the of him. And yeah. his entire life. Oh, OK. It
1: is. epic, Soul crushing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> n- Well, not really crushing. It's like the dude lived a fucking life. Yeah. And at some point, we'll have to do the Dylan in the cash sessions here oh, as yeah, well. That's right. I keep forgetting. They him. recorded a whole thing for for Columbia. So we will definitely do that at some point.
0: Is he Italian?
1: All right, we're going to move on from that. So there's no world. Um, okay, so one out of 524. Kelly, what is your guess in an alternate timeline? we're we
0: still not... You know, before you did the purge of this list, we were in like the 600s. And now I'm like, how are we not less than 500 songs yet? Never. Uh 302.
1: Ooh, nice. It was 399 is the official number. So 302, oh, would have been Black Crow Blues, which was from another side of Bob Dylan, his previously last all-acoustic. Lovely song. Absolutely lovely song. Actually, it would be a really fun song to do because that is a, a low-key banger that I really like. I like to talk about Bob Dylan's songs as bangers, by the way.
0: $3.99. You're making a weird gesture.
1: I want you. Oh, we from, already. We didn't. It was on Dylan and the Dead. Terrible version oh, of it. That's right. So this is, this is Blonde on Blonde. It is on Dylan and the Dead. We do not, I promise, have to listen to it. We'll listen to the uh, the ones on Cutting Edge where they cut the song, but otherwise, it's a song on Blonde and Blonde. This is a classic Bob Dylan song. This is what we want. This is this is the first time we're getting into the realm of the nineteen sixties Bob Dylan. You know, we we did um you know I Want to Be Your Lover as episode two, right. but so far we've kind of not had any of them so
0: blonde on blonde is that one album i found a record store and i was like is this bob dylan correct so <laughs> this is a yes <laughs> one of the
1: greatest records of uh ever created in the history of man it is bob dylan <laughs> yes you are correct so next week we're going to be doing i want you blonde on blonde that's going to be our main hit and we're just going to talk about i actually don't even know what i want you to do i'm going to need some time to Ooh, get this mystery mystery you will find out what it is on mixed up confusion. So tune in to uh to mixed up confusion on Thursday, and we will have uh, what Kelly's going to be covering next week in the Kelly Corner. Oh, <laughs> Is that what we want to call Let's it? Not. Let's not call it. We'll figure something <laughs> better out. Uh, but otherwise, please uh, subscribe uh, to our podcast, to our playlist. Drop us a line. Drop us a tweet. We are real people, and we really, really, really appreciate you. And we love Bob Dylan, and we love you. Thank you. Peace. Bye.
0: Drown dumb Maggie, that's her name. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Maggie Tulliver. Fuck the mill and the floss. Fuck the king.